Okay, so today we're going to talk about the mitzvah of prayer, also known as tefillah, which is what I might be calling it most of the time today. Um, now, a lot of times when we go through a mitzvah that is somewhat of a big mitzvah, some mitzvahs are like simple and like it's easy to get through the basic ideas and some are deeper. So the way we've been learning it is we first go through basic overview of what the mitzvah is and how it's done, and all those details, and then we dive into the deeper meaning, a deeper understanding. Our goal here is not to be uh, a discussion of halacha and detailed Jewish law of how everything is done. There's plenty of, of other places you could find that, but to try to give us a connection to what we're doing. So normally we'd go through the basics and then try to dive deeper to like bring that connection. And that's what we're going to do today also. However, it, it must be said that it's nearly impossible to separate prayer from the inner meaning of prayer. And the reason for that is because by definition, prayer is always something of the heart. By definition of what it is, there isn't much of an, I mean, there is a, an external action that you do, but our sages call prayer avoda shabalev, which means the service of the heart. So it's hard to separate, but I'm going to try to separate anyway, just for the purpose of making things clearer. So today we're going to talk about the basics of it. And if we have time, we'll go deeper. And if not, we'll do that another week. Okay. So the obligation of prayer. So we're starting from the book. We usually start with the, the book of Metzos, the Sefer Achenach. And he quotes the verse in the Torah that mentions this uh, mitzvah obligation to pray to God, to pray to Hashem. And here's the verse. As Hashem elekecha tira isai, Hashem your God, you shall fear him. Sorry. As Hashem elekecha tira, Hashem your God, you should fear. Isai ta'avait, him you shall serve. Ubay sidvak, to him you shall cleave, you should attach yourself. Uvishmai tishava, and in his name you shall swear. There's actually four separate mitzvahs in this one simple verse, okay? But the one we're focusing on is him you shall serve. And that is a, a mitzvah of prayer. And he explains how, how is that? Who said serving means prayer? So let's read a little bit. So he says, we're commanded to serve Hashem. As it says, this verse, him you shall serve. And he says that this mitzvah is repeated several times in the Torah. It also says in, in another place, You shall serve Hashem your God. In another place, it says, Oso ta'avdu, Him you shall serve. In another place, it says, Serve Him with all your heart. And the idea is when something is repeated several times in the Torah, each time probably has a specific lesson that we're learning, a different nuance. Uh, there's no extra words in the Torah, but still, in a more general sense, you can say that if it's being repeated, it's emphasizing its significance. This is a very precious mitzvah to Hashem, and that's why it's it's mentioned a bunch of times. Okay? So even though normally avodah is, could, sounds like it's talking about serving Hashem. That sounds like it means all mitzvahs. Nevertheless, there's a, a specific mitzvah to it as well, as our sages teach us. Serve him with your heart, which is a service which is performed with the heart, that is prayer. Okay, And that's how we know. The rabbis teach us. This is like an oral tradition that we got all the way from Moses at Sinai, 
that this mitzvah is the mitzvah to pray Tasha. Okay? So I want to read to you a little bit of what this book of mitzvah says is the underlying purpose of the mitzvah. All right, ready? Among the underlying purposes of the mitzvah is, okay, he always doesn't want to say with like 100% confidence, this is why God created mm-hmm. this mitzvah. He says, Here, here's a reason. Here's something we could connect to. He says, this is a principle that he's that he's repeated on, on other occasions as well. Divine goodness and blessing are bestowed upon people in accordance with their actions, the goodness of their hearts and the worthiness of their thoughts. Now, the master of all existence, who created all people, desires their welfare. He therefore guided them and brought them success through his precious mitzvahs, so that they should merit to receive from him. In addition, um, Hashem informed them to give them an opening through which they could attain their every request. Hashem gave them the life hack. He said, okay, here's the world, and I want to give you good, and I want to give you the tools to get good. And one of these tools is prayer, that we should ask from Hashem whatever it is we're lacking, and Hashem will respond to our prayer. Because Hashem responds to all those who who call out to Him sincerely. Okay? So not only did Hashem say, hey, here's some good advice, pray, to to like bring you the ability to, to have good in your life, He actually made it a commandment because of how crucial this is. Hashem didn't want us to be like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a bonus. It's extra credit. If I'm in the mood, I'll do it. And if not, not. Hashem said, no, I'm giving this to you as a mitzvah obligation. You should pray. Okay? We're going okay, to explore all this more. Now, another point that he adds, and this is also a very crucial point, he says, furthermore, aside from attaining our heart's desires, okay, meaning asking Hashem to give us things and receiving them is only one part of prayer. But we also gain merit through prayer by arousing our conscious and focusing all of our thoughts on the truth, that Hashem is the master who is good and who gives good, that his eyes watch over all our ways, and that at every moment and every instant he is attentive to our cries to him, as the guardian of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. So prayer causes us to focus on this truth, that Hashem is the one who can give. By by definition, prayer means we're standing before Hashem and we're acknowledging that He is the one who could give. So this is a great exercise in focusing us on on what our like relationship with Hashem is, that He's the one who has the ability to give. So that's another reason why it's so important. You know, and this idea that there's nothing that goes in the way of of Hashem. If Hashem wants to give something, he he, you know, he makes the final call, so to speak. Okay? So that's the basics of prayer. Points that we're going to address is, is every prayer answered? You can pray for something. Has it ever happened, Shlomi, that you've prayed for something and you have not gotten the answer you're looking for? I think once. Yeah, one time? Nice. At least once. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, then you should be teaching about prayer. It does happen to all yeah. of us. Yes. Yeah, it does happen. So we need to understand, like, get some context on, on what that is. And that's something we're going to address as well. And then we'll talk about what is this prayer. Okay, what, what is prayer? How do we do that? What What's what's the deal with that? Okay, so from the perspective of the Torah, the Torah, interestingly, does not give many details 
on what this prayer is or what it looks like. It literally just says, serve Hashem. And we're taught that that means pray to Hashem. Okay, that's not the Jewish way. Such a general statement without any details. Usually a mitzvah comes with details and specifications, and it should be written in this way and done in this way and performed in this way. The Torah is usually very specific. So here it seems to be very, very general, which makes you wonder, is the Torah requiring you to, to pray a certain amount or a certain amount of times a day? Or is it just like, does it mean when you need something, you should pray? What do you think it means without right, it's knowing dif- more? It's difficult because can I do a five-minute prayer instead of going to shul for 40 minutes? Yeah. Would that be the same? Yeah. And, and you do that on Yom Kippur once a year. Maybe that's good, <laughs> maybe that's good yeah. too. And when we use when we use our siddurs, right? We pray, we, we go through all the pages. But somebody can do that in a very mm. short amount of time mm-hmm. by walking in the street, maybe maybe not in walking in the street, but maybe sitting down and focusing and thanking God. Mm-hmm. Would that be equivalent? You may not mention Jerusalem a hundred times. Mm-hmm. You may not mention the Exodus uh, ten times. But in, on your own, you're thanking God for living and giving whatever whatever God provides you're thanking. Absolutely. Would Absolutely. that be the same? And I don't know if it's the same. Mm-hmm. And what did people do before um, the temple? How did they pray? They didn't have books like we have today. I don't know about the Shema, what they said or not, but all the Psalms that we read, they they probably didn't say any of that. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure probably God accepted their prayer as they did at that time. But only once we established a prayer book, then it became a standard. And that's what we all do now follow the book. Right. Excellent. Okay. You're raising a bunch of good points that let's talk about one by one. One, one point is this. What is prayer? One might tend to think about prayer as what you do with a prayer book, a siddur, in synagogue, in shul. That seems like the model of what prayer is. But what if I'm going into a business meeting and I, on my way in, I mutter under my breath, Hashem, please help this go well. Is well, that's, that a prayer? Oh, absolutely. Or, and then if it does go well, maybe I can mutter on my way out, thank you, Hashem, for helping it go well. Yeah. Is that a prayer? Does that fulfill my mitzvah of prayer? Hmm. I guess it's how we define prayer, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're going to explore now. And we also want to figure out that point as well. I mean, that's more of a historical point. What did they do before the the Siddur was written? The Siddur was written a few thousand years ago by by a court of rabbis, but it didn't always exist. God didn't, you know, give Moshe a prayer book along with at, at Sinai along with the Torah. Right. Yeah. Right? So for the most part, service of Hashem when there was a temple was the temple sacrifices and rituals. That was how Hashem was served. And that happened several times throughout the day. There's also other sacrifices. If somebody would sin, there was one that could be brought. If somebody had a great thing happened. They could bring like a gratitude sacrifice, but that's besides the point. And then the temple was destroyed and we lost the ability to serve Hashem in that way, which is a very ideal way. I mean, that's how it's okay. like prescribed in the Torah. This is the temple. This is how you do that. So since then, we're taught 
that we we pay we do our sacrifices with our lips. That's like the quote that it's it's that's how we bring sacrifices with our mouths essentially. So one way of understanding that is we actually read the portions in the Torah that instruct how those sacrifices were brought. And then, like we say, a little prayer, you know, look, Hashem knows we don't have a temple. Consider this as if I brought the sacrifice. But in, a, in, in an even more structured way, we were taught prayer that corresponds to the three sacrifices that were brought in the temple daily. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one in the evening was a little bit of a different type, but basically um, three times a day. And now we have three daily prayers that mm-hmm. take over from that. Okay, but let's let's explore this a little bit, okay? So from a biblical perspective, it seems like uh, if you would dive in one time a day, that would be good. And that could be anywhere. That could be at any time of day. And that could be in synagogue or it could be at home. And it could be following a siddur or not following a siddur. Any, any time, any way that you pray to Hashem, you're going to be fulfilling a mitzvah. Okay, there's a dispute amongst rabbis whether, whether this whole concept of prayer is, by the way, biblical or rabbinic, because it's a little bit not as clear as another mitzvah. Like the, the Torah is very clear when it says, uh, keep the Shabbos or whatever. It's like very clear what it is mm-hmm. here. It's like this, like a little bit, a little bit unclear. So the basic idea is that some are of the opinion that it is a biblical requirement every day. And here's an interesting other opinion. Another opinion is that it's not a biblical requirement every day, but it is a biblical requirement if you need something. If you actually have something you're lacking, Hashem wants you, demands of you that you ask him for help with it. But I don't want to go too far down that road, because for the purpose of our conversation, it doesn't matter if biblical mm-hmm. or rabbinic. We do we do mitzvahs. We've talked about that in a way in the beginning. There's not really much room for distinction. But the main point is that there is a, a biblical aspect to this mitzvah as well. So, from a biblical perspective, any little prayer that you say at any time is good. Nevertheless, the rabbis instituted a script and a, a structure to prayer. So these would be called like rabbinic mitzvahs, like sub-mitzvahs in the prayer category. So the basic way they did that is they instituted this prayer called Shmona Esrei, otherwise called the Amida, And that is the, the, the silent prayer that is recited. There's, it's called Shmona Esrei because there's 18 blessings in it. There's actually 19 now, side point. And whenever we talk about tefillah, such as when you should do it, how many times a day, etc. The word tefillah is referring to that one single part of prayer. Amida, Shmona Esrei. That's what it's talking about. If you would go into synagogue, there's a lot more than that going on. But that is a combination of a, of a bunch of different concepts. There's a mitzvah to say the Shema. So the Shema is put into our script. Um, there's a mitzvah to, 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 be, to express gratitude and and praise of Hashem. So that's put into the script. And, and therefore, we come out with a siddur that is hundreds of pages long. I mean, that your daily prayer will be a few dozen pages long. But the most important part is the tefillah is the Shemona Esrei. Okay, that's the, the Amidah. And they made it very uh, organized. And they set it up in a way that you will, if you follow the script, you're guaranteed to check your boxes. You're guaranteed to fulfill your mitzvah. You're also guaranteed, basically, to ensure that you're 
you're living your life with Hashem. You're not forgetting. Imagine, right? We can hardly do things voluntarily. It's like, oh, you know, uh, Shlomi, when, when you remember, when you get around to it, pray. It's like, okay, that's going to go way down on the bottom <laughs> of my schedule, right? It, so the rabbi said, look, this is something we have to treat with a lot of importance and a lot of respect. And therefore, this is how you should do it. You know, I, I heard once it being described as the same way your physical body needs food, your soul needs prayer. Your physical body, you wake up in the morning, you eat breakfast, and that gets you to lunch, and lunch to supper, and supper to breakfast. Maybe a few snacks in between. And prayer as well. There's morning prayers, and that's there to get you spiritually to the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then there's afternoon prayers, get to the evening, and back to the morning. Maybe right. you could snack with your occasional prayers throughout the day. But but it's you know teaching us to to hold on to Hashem as a part of our part of our day. We'll get more into the, like that kind of deeper um, connection to Hashem relationship stuff in a bit. Okay, um, the the order of prayer is supposed to be that first we praise Hashem, then we ask for our requests, and then we thank Hashem for what we have. And that's the structure of the, the the Amida prayer as well. And if you're actually praying at home, it's ideal to include that. If if you're gonna fulfill your daily mitzvah, if you're not for whatever reason you're not gonna fulfill the rabbinic mitzvah to do it in this kind of structured way, you're not able to, you don't know how, you know, whatever it is, so then uh do still do the mitzvah. This is a super yeah. important point. It could be very overwhelming to look at all of the details of the laws. By the way, we didn't even touch on a fraction of them. Okay, so if we're saying a lot now, it could be even more overwhelming than that. But the point is that we shouldn't let that get in our way. Okay, because I don't know how or or it's a little too much for me to start off with all this structure and this many times a day and how much time am I dedicating to this? We should still aim to fulfill the biblical mitzvah, which is pray to Hashem one time a day, mm-hmm. one time a day, and let's include in that prayer praise, the request, and gratitude. And the reason for praise and request is because the most important part of prayer is visualizing, not in like a physical way, but like feeling that we're standing before the creator of the world. And it ain't easy to do that. You know why? Because the creator of the world is not visible. Hashem is invisible. So how do you tell a human being to envision himself standing before the creator of the world if he can't see it? How in the world do you do that? So the answer is you you ask the person to keep a few things in mind and focus and follow like some protocols that will kind of help do that. Okay? So the laws of prayer are there to try to bring us to that point. So if we start our prayer by praising Hashem, what we're really doing is an exercise of acknowledging that Hashem is the one who has the ability to do things. If you're praising Hashem that He's the all-powerful or all-generous or whatever the praise is going to be, you're reinforcing within yourself that He's the one who has the ability to give. That's a very good step towards communicating with Him. If you mm-hmm. feel that somebody has the ability to give, then then you can ask. If you don't, then then... It's very hard to ask. And the same with gratitude as well. If I can go through the things that are in my life and credit them to Hashem, say, Hashem, look, I have this, you know, whatever, family, house, car, whatever it is, 
And I'm grateful for that. So again, I'm reinforcing, reinforcing within myself that I believe that the good is from Hashem. So now I'm going to be asking for something. It just kind of makes more sense. Uh, they also made a lot of guidelines to ensure that prayer is treated with holiness, with sanctity, with with respect. So there's a lot of laws. But again, we, we don't go through all the laws here. I'm going to bullet point a bunch of them just to illustrate the greater point of how big of a deal this is and how and, and what we're trying to do here. So here's the, the main point. The main point is we should try to envision that we're standing before the king. Now, Hashem is the king of kings. But a good step in that direction is what if you would actually prepare yourself as if you're going to speak to a king on this planet. So whoever your president or queen is, pick the single person in the world that you have the most awe and respect for and envision how you would approach them to ask for something. Right. You would have to be best dressed. Good. You would have to be dressed well. Uh, Good behavior. Yeah. Probably maybe well rested. Uh, I don't well rested, know. You know. Yeah, and act appropriately. Yeah, and prepare yourself to what to ask or what to talk about. Yeah. So here's what you would do, and and these are all the laws of tefillah, okay, or some right. of them. You would dress appropriately, modestly. You wouldn't dress. Casual, like you catch an I don't know right. casual Friday in in work or on the soccer field or or on the beach or whatever. You would dress very appropriately to whatever that standard is. You would make sure your clothing are clean. You would make sure your body is clean, right? Yeah. You would go to the bathroom first, probably before you like talking to a king. You would be extremely focused. You would clear your mind of distractions. You would mm-hmm. prepare what you want to tell him. And what you want to ask him, or maybe you want to praise him, you know, whatever that system is going to be, you would prepare that in your mind. And and while you're talking to him, you wouldn't do anything else. Right. You would not have your phone on you, or it would be on silent. Right? Right. Your phone would be on silent. You would never answer a text or a WhatsApp or an email. You wouldn't turn over your shoulder and randomly start talking to somebody. So if we can get to a little bit of the respect that we would give to a king on earth who we respect, all the more so, of course, how we should try to envision ourselves before Hashem. But granted, it's not easy to do that. So that's the point. Picture, prepare yourself at least as if you're coming before before a king. So that... That's the focus. If you have that focus, then you'll you'll envision Hashem before you. And your prayer would also look different. It would be more focused, more concentrated. You wouldn't mm-hmm. like, you know, you wouldn't ask a king for something like by muttering under your breath and then turning around and walking off. Like there would be this like decorum and respect. If you met that king in a palace or or a White House, or whatever, you'd probably also have respect for the place that you're going to. You wouldn't throw things on the floor, you know, you mm-hmm. wouldn't disrespect the, the physical location. And that's what we're asked to do with the synagogue as well, to show a lot of respect for it. That's a good way of thinking. Without mm-hmm. going into all the laws, if you don't know all the laws of prayer, 
try to keep this in mind. What would it look like if you were going before before a kink? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, exactly. Um, Make sure that you're self-prepared, appropriate, and the way you present yourself. Yeah. Another thing he says at the end, I, I skipped a lot of the technical laws, but he talks about how important it is not to interrupt. He says, you should not interrupt your, your prayer even to honor a great person. Even if a Jewish king extends a greeting to him, he should not interrupt his Amida prayer to respond to him. Even if a snake is coiled around one's heel, he should not interrupt his prayer. Okay, they explain that that's not if your life is at risk because in Jewish law, uh, life takes precedence to anything else in the Torah. So... If that was a poisonous snake, if you knew that was a poisonous snake, or if you suspected it was, then you wouldn't do that. If you thought the king would kill you, you wouldn't do that, which is why it says a Jewish king, because the Jewish king should see what just happened and recognize that he's also subject to to the creator of the world. And he says this is this mitzvah applies in every location and all times to both men and women. One who transgresses this mitzvah and goes for a day and night without reciting any prayer has violated this mitzvah obligation. That's according to the opinion of uh, Maimonides. And one who is in distress and does not call out to Hashem has mm. violated the mitzvah obligation. That's according to the other opinion I mentioned. That's Nachmanides. Whatever, that's that different opinion. And it says here his punishment is significant for he is viewed as though he is denying Hashem's supervision over him. If you're in pain and you're not calling out to Hashem, you're failing to see who is really orchestrating events. And that's why it's it's symbolic of something big. And that's why mm-hmm. prayer is so important. Hashem wants the first thing you do when you're in trouble is to turn out to to turn to him. And and not doing that could be viewed as failing to acknowledge that he's the one who orchestrates events or that he's the one who can bring whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever salvation you're looking for, or something like that. Okay. Good? Mm -hmm. Good stuff? Okay, let's share another idea here. So, the the Maimonides, the Rambam, has, there's a a contradiction in his halacha book. He writes halacha. And in one place he says that a prayer recited without concentration is not a valid prayer. It's very important, this isn't the code of Jewish law at all, as well. One who is praying must concentrate on the meaning of the words he is uttering with his lips. He must imagine that the divine presence is in front of him and remove all thoughts that disturb him, so that his mind and concentration are focused purely on his prayer. He should consider that if he were speaking before a mortal king, he would arrange his words and pay careful attention to what he's saying, so that he should not make a mistake. Certainly, when standing before the king of kings, the holy one who is aware of all thoughts, etc., so it's very important. In another place... Maimonides seems to say that it's crucially important to pay attention to the first blessing of the Amida, of Shmona Esri. So, so which one is it? Is, do you have to have concentration on every single part, or is it on the first part? So I, they bring down here in the art school an explanation that there's two types of concentration that are required in prayer. One is focusing on the meaning of the words, and one is bearing in mind that one is standing before Hashem. And these are distinct. Prayer could theoretically be done without a person knowing the meaning of the words he's saying. 
Okay, not everybody understands every single word of prayer, especially if you're, if you're praying from a siddur, from a prayer book. You might not understand everything, but in a general sense, you could still feel that what you're doing right now is is standing before the Creator and asking for, you know, talking to Him and asking for things. So, of course, understanding and concentrating on the meaning of the words is going to make your prayer more meaningful. But that is an enhancement of the prayer. The essence of the prayer is the knowledge that one is petitioning Hashem with his words. On the other hand, if a person utters the prayer without realizing or focusing on the fact that he's speaking to Hashem, he has not really prayed at all. He has gone through the motions of reciting a text, but has not actually petitioned Hashem. And with this, he explains the, this apparent contradiction in the Rambam. When he said that concentration is critical specifically during the first blessing of Shemona Esrei, he referred to focusing on the meaning of the word. Yes, that's ideal in all of prayer, but it's crucial in the first blessing. And, and if you don't do the first blessing with concentration, with understanding the words, you should repeat it. But when the Rambam, when Maimonides said that praying without concentration is not a prayer at all, in a more general sense, he was referring to bearing in mind that one is standing before Hashem. Okay, that was super Talmudic, that discussion. That was, But the takeaway is so important. The takeaway is that the most crucial aspect of prayer is not understanding the definition of all the words, but rather realizing what you are doing here. If one walks into synagogue and opens a prayer book and does a lip service of reading through the Siddur and walks out, and there is no movement of the heart where he feels mm-hmm. this sense of standing before the creator of the world, he has not prayed. He mm-hmm. has done a lip service. He has parroted words. That's hard to do. It's hard to do. Yeah, because yeah. we become so accustomed to it. Yeah. You know, every day you go to shul, it becomes almost like um, coming over to your house. Yeah. Yeah. So it's chat. Yeah. But you don't get the feeling that what you're really there for. Yeah. I'm sure some do, but when you do it day after day, okay, yeah. I'm here to say this prayer. Right. So what do we so what do we do about that? I mean, imagine it in like a relationship. If you have if you if if you have a husband and wife or something, if you would compliment your spouse and the words come out in this like monotone, flat empty way I believe that your spouse will pick up immediately that you're saying something empty a compliment let's say and you don't really mean it they'll pick up right away and it's almost like insulting to be given a compliment without any meaning to it and the words are the same but you could tell if a person's present you know or means it so think about what we're doing like I don't want to be so uh, gloomy here but if we go into synagogue and we just read the words, and that's it. We're just like waiting to get out of there. We read it, we're done with it, and we leave. Like, we really missed the boat in what prayer is. It is no wonder that that's not a very fun or stimulating experience. It's kind of boring. Sometimes it's, it, it could be viewed as a, like a social pressure, you know, something we got to do, that's just what we got to do. We go to synagogue or whatever. But really, it's missing the heart of what it's really about. And, and that's a shame. So... We're going to talk more about this, okay, next time. But just to make one point now, the the solution to this is just 
is just two minutes, one minute of mindfulness before you pray. And to recognize that that is probably the most important two minutes of your prayer. You can pray for two hours, and these two minutes are the most important part of your prayer. And that is stopping for a moment, trying to clear your mind. You know, you put yourself together a little bit. If, you know, if you're not so put together, whatever, and you think about this one concept, I am about to stand before the creator of the world to talk to him, whatever I'm going to do. I don't know. I'm going to praise. I'm going to thank. I'm going to ask. That's irrelevant. The content is not even the most important part in a sense. It's realizing who we are standing in front of. And that's why many times in a synagogue, there'll be like a verse over in big letters on top of the ark or something and either say, which is a verse that means know before whom you are standing, or which means that I uh, like envision Hashem in front of me always. These are like super important reminders mm-hmm. of, of what we're doing there. So that's the short version. Okay. If you had one takeaway, it's to do this like little exercise before you start praying. Right. But come back next week and let's get more into the heart of what we're really doing. Cause that's in a sense, a very, very important part of developing our connection to it. Okay. Right. We're not done yet. Yeah. And the focusing, I think is especially hard as yeah. well. Again, we've come so used to saying the words yeah. every day that people know it by heart and you don't need to follow the book and yeah. you just say it because you already memorized it. Exactly. Okay, so in part two yeah. of this, we're going to talk about all of that and more. Yeah.